0: Well, Stacy mentioned Revelation, so let's turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 10, from 8 to 12. Revelation chapter 10 from 8 to 12. There we go. This is John on the Isle of Patmos. They tried to shut him up. They tried to boil him in oil, didn't work. So they put him on an island. Okay, and here he is getting this wonderful revelation from God. He sees all these visions and he sees this mighty angel. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to him, Take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Heavenly Father, bless this word to our spirits and our minds. Receive it, not obstruct it. And Lord, I pray that you work a great work in us this morning. As Holy Spirit, you grant us revelation from heaven. We ask this all in the wonderful name of your Amen. Praise Amen. God. Now, this was the instruction. Eat the book. Notice the pattern. The book was sweet to the taste, but bitter to the stomach. All right? Reminds me of a few meals I've had in my life, but anyway. The point is, talking about the word, there's a pattern here. And you see, you and I as Christians need to understand this so well, not that we haven't spoken about it before, but what I'm going to share now makes the difference between Christians who are serving God and those who fall by the wayside, inevitably, which happens so very often, unfortunately. Amen? Now you see, we hear the Word and if the Word is preached with the anointing of God, it is very wonderful to hear. Amen? Nothing I enjoy more than hearing an anointed man of God sharing the Word of God. It's really a great, great blessing. Amen? Amen. But something I've learned, the greater the blessing, When we hear the word, (laughs) the greater the challenge when we try to put it to practice. Are you hearing me? The greater the challenge. Janet's been busy teaching through the course Approaching the Bible. If you haven't done Approaching the Bible, I suggest that you do it. Amen. If you've done it, I suggest that you do it again. If you've done it again, I suggest you do it yet another time. All right. Now, That course is about approaching the Bible for information. There's more than one way of reading the Bible. Did you know that? It all depends on the purpose for which you are reading it. But the greatest purpose of all for the Bible is to hear the voice of God. Can everybody say Amen? Amen. My job here primarily is not to teach everybody the Word of God. Surprise, surprise. My job is to teach everybody to be able to hear God's voice for yourself, primarily through his written word. Can you all say amen? Amen. Can I say this? Unequivocally, every single one of us here is capable of hearing God for yourself just as much as I am or Janet is or anybody is. Amen? Amen? The moment you start to think, oh, it has to be the preacher that teaches me, you are in trouble. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. The point is this. You see, that course is predominantly about hearing God's voice through the Bible. The main reason for reading the Bible, can I say this to every single person personally? The main reason for reading the B-I-B-L-E is to hear the voice of G-O-D. You got that? String 5. Okay? Now, most people haven't got a clue how to hear God's voice. Christians I'm talking about, I have a very good friend, I have lost touch with her, she is in the ministry, and she was in a, let's just say, a traditional church, and she got filled with the Holy Spirit, etc, etc. The day came when she had to go to her, let's say, minister, and explain to him that she will have to leave now, because she's got other things to do for God. And he said, how do you know that you must go? And she said to him, well, oh, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. Do you know what he said? This is a minister of religion. He said, I've never heard God's voice in my life. He said, the only time I think I heard God's voice when I think he told me to go into the ministry. I think he heard him right, but he didn't stick around long enough for us to hear what ministry. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that sad? a yeah, man, leading a congregation doesn't hear the voice of God. It's quite common, by the way. However, I'm here to tell you something. As wonderful as hearing God's voice is, and all of us need to exercise it every single day, amen, that in itself is not enough. Not enough. That's the course that Sue's been learning about. The last lesson was putting into practice. Amen. Putting to practice, that's the title of this message. I'm going to give you an illustration. I've got a mother who lives with my sister in Randburg. She's got quite a good garden patch there. She's quite good at it. She's been practicing for over 90 years. All right, we enjoy her vegetables. Anyway, we go and visit her from time to time. So here I am, I phone my mother. Hello, fossil, it's Porky here. We're coming to raid your vegetable patch. And she says, okay, what the hail has left behind you can have. Good, we're coming Wednesday, 12 o'clock. Alright, you've got this set up, we know where we're going. We're going to Randburg to raid my mother's vegetable patch at 12 o'clock. In the garage is our car. Four perfectly good tyres, service up to date, it's even licensed. (laughs) That in in itself in this day and age is quite a challenge. Now we have to extend our imagination somewhat. The tank is full of petrol. Okay, just extend your imagination. The tank is full of petrol. Okay, has everybody got it? We are booked to go to raid my mother's cabbage patch, 12 o'clock Wednesday. The car is ready to go, clean as a whistle, in working condition, alright? The tank, for the benefit of this illustration, Use your sanctified imagination. He is full. Okay. Come Wednesday, 12 o'clock, do we arrive at my mother's house to raid the cabbage patch? I know. Why not? The car is able to go. It's licensed. I don't know about the driver, but the car is licensed. <laughs> my sin is finding me out. But anyway, Why will we not just automatically get there? I'll tell you why. To get there, what do we have to do? Bum on seat, key in ignition, and we have to switch it on. You get it? If we don't switch the car on, we are going nowhere. Have you all got that? No more cabbages. No more radishes this is hell. But the point I'm trying to make is, you can read your Bible according to Graham's wonderful course on how to hear the voice of God. You can go through the whole routine, the flagging, you understand the four points, you see it all stands out, the pictures blah-de-blah, and you see, ah, this is what God is saying. Hallelujah! And you can run around the whole city saying, I've heard the voice of God. I've heard the voice of God. And God in heaven says, So what? I hope you're getting this. Because you see, hearing the voice of God, as wonderful as it is, is pointless. If you and I are not prepared to take what we've heard and do it, Have you got that? It's so basic, really. It's so basic. You know, there was a time I got into journaling. Now, journaling is a powerful tool, by the way, to help you and I hear the voice of God. And I got into this in a big way. Oh, my soul, I bought piles of exercise books. And I was writing screeds. I was in the flow. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing to be in the flow. Even though nobody could read my writing I was in the flow. Amen? And I was going on and on, I was thinking, this is wonderful. I'm in touch with the living God. I'm in touch with the living God. All of a sudden, guess what? It's almost like the ink ran out. It wasn't the ink that ran out, the revelation ran out. I said, hello? I'm still here. God's quite practical. You know what he had to say unto his humble servant. He's not so humble sometimes, but anyway, to his humble servant Graham. Graham, I'm not saying anything more until all those screens that you've got, you take them and you do them. Let me tell you something, children of God, we are creatures of habit. Did you know that? We are creatures of habit. And Christianity is probably the worst area in which we fall into a certain habit. You know what that habit is very often? When we take the word of God, as wonderful as it might be presented, as beautifully as we might have heard it, and we say something like, that was lovely. Put the Bible away and get on with our daily work. Amen? Are you hearing you see the moment we start to do that sort of thing, it creeps up on you, and slowly but surely, what happens is a whole Christian walk becomes academic. I mean that's how denominations are formed. Can I tell you that when people get into the habit of when we read the Bible, you see it becomes something that is Nice. Profound. Theoretic. A lofty thought. You see? Sounds good. But what's the problem? We allow what we read to become divorced from what we actually live. Are you hearing me? And that's something you and I have got to keep our eye on all the time. Because it can creep up on you so subtly. And I don't care what church you belong to. I don't care how denominational it might be, how charismaniacal it might be, how out of the box it might be. It does not mean a thing. What matters is what you and I do with what we hear every single day. And as far as God is concerned, He rather we didn't know much, but we did something with the little bit that we did know. Can you all say amen? Can I tell you, the classic individual in this regard is Mother Teresa. Now, I don't know much about Mother Teresa, I don't know much about her teachings such as they may be. I've read a few of them, and people that were close to her said that even she was doubtful about her own salvation, can you believe it, right up until the time she died. Now, if you're doubtful about salvation, what does that say about the rest of your theology? Probably somewhat cooked, am I right? Probably somewhat cooked, okay? Now, please, don't think for a second, I'm wondering whether Mother Teresa will be in heaven when I get there one day. Of course she'll be there. She'll be in a wonderful place. Great rewards. But the thing about Mother Teresa is this. Her life changed the history of India, actually. Predominantly Hindu nation. To this day, in the Indian community, they have respect for the Christian faith. Because of people like Mother Teresa. And let me tell you Why? Let me tell you why. She may not have known much. She may not have known much. I don't really know. She wasn't known as a great theologian. You understand what I'm saying? She wasn't a great Bible teacher at all. However, she knew one thing. Walking through the slums of Calcutta, she came across these poor babies that were dying. She said, they need help. The compassion of God wants to help them. That's all practically that she knew. But my goodness, what did she do with that one little revelation? You understand what I'm saying? She lived that revelation out to its maximum, turned upside down whole communities by just caring for the poor. What is my point? My point is this. It's not so much about how much we know, but please don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we say, oh, I don't want to know anymore. No, no, no. We need to pursue understanding. Can everybody get that? I'm always looking through the Bible to find out how can I improve my knowledge? Amen? And we should all be like that. And I'm trying to encourage every one of us here to pursue your own course of discovering the truth of God's word for yourself. Amen? However, what's more important than that? Taking the little bit that we do know, putting it to practice. Amen? Putting it to practice, getting it to work for you. I was very blessed. Sandra was having dinner with us the other evening, and she said, I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. She's been doing this course with Janet, the Foundations Light, and she just said, well, I've got a friend. I'm going to do the course with him if he'll let me. And me? I'll do the course with him if he'll let me. He's having issues, I believe, about God, etc. Did we have to tell her to do that? The past had to come say, oh, well, no, I think we should run a course, you know? No! She took what she knew and prepared to share it. That really blesses me. You understand? Not waiting for, oh, you know, before I've graduated, got baptized off. No! Get on with what you have. Can I tell you, that's how the Methodist Church started. Did you know that? John Wesley would go to a village, preach the word of God. They'd see signs and wonders, by the way. It's recorded, you know, that some of the meetings people rolled on the floor, screaming like lions. The Methodists, dear God, the Methodist church it was not what it is today. But anyway, that's what he would do. Go to a village, preach the word. Sometimes there was nobody there. Sometimes there was one. Sometimes there were 10. Sometimes the whole village turned up. Didn't bother him. Sometimes he got chased out. Didn't bother him. Kept going. They asked him, what would you do? He knew about the fact that the world was going to end tomorrow. His answer without batting an eyelid was, get on my horse and go to the next village. Now that's the attitude. Just carry on. Get on with the job. But he'd go to the place, he'd speak these words and everybody said, well, what must you do now? He'd take a few elders and he'd give them a few of his sermons. This is historical fact. He'd give them a whole lot of his sermons and say, get on with that. I'll come back later when you've run out of that little out." You understand? Get on with it. Just get on with it. What you know, get on with. Put to practice the bit that we have. Let me tell you, that is the key to Christian life in abundance. Amen? Can I tell you something more? That's how the Early church started. Paul the Apostle, as you know, would pitch up in some village, city, whatever you want to call it. Maybe he got stoned. Maybe they tried to kill him. Maybe they tried to drown him. But he preached the word anyway. Miracles would take place. Everybody, big flap. And he said, okay, elect a few elders. He said, get on with it. You've got the Holy Spirit. I'm out of here. I'll come back later. They didn't even have the Bible that we've got. Did you know that? It's said, get on with it. The little bit I've told you, just share it with everybody else. You've got those, but Get on with it. Do you know the church of the early age swept the whole world with that simple mentality? Do we all grasp this? It wasn't a case of, oh, we'll have to inform you. Great knowledge. They didn't have the Bible. It still had to be written. They were in the process of actually writing it. Most of the courses that I put together, well, all of them, to be honest, I've never got them from anybody else or some other place or a book. It's, Courses that have developed because we found there was a need. People needed to know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for example. So we put together a course to teach. People needed to know about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. People are realizing, trying to minister to people, many Christians didn't have a right understanding of the fundamentals. We put together the foundation course. Amen? Put it into practice, been doing it for many years, we suddenly realized after a while that for many people the foundation course was too advanced. They needed something more basic, so the foundations line, very simple discussion, eight discussions. That's all it is. Just help person come to understand what this Christianity is about. Amen. Amen. But that's how it developed. We realized Christians didn't know how to actually read the Bible. So we just put together this course, Approaching the Bible, from personal experience. Does it mean it's set in stone? By no means. These course are continually evolving, you understand, as we learn. I mean, the foundation course, we speak about baptism. Why get baptized? You understand? What are the reasons for getting baptized? Well, I found out about seven in the Bible, and it's still growing. I mean, can you see it? It's evolving, but we didn't wait until we got all seven understandings before we started. Do you get it? And we realized you can't put all seven in the foundation light course. Just understand the basics and get going. Get going. When we taught baptism to one couple and they were so clever they said, No, we don't do this. After having gone through the course where it says, What's in the Bible we will do. They said, Yes, what's in the Bible we will do. I said, Fine, let me show you what's in the Bible. No, we won't. <laughs> What's the problem with that? You understand? Taking the word of God, making it theoretical and separating ourselves from it. That will kill your Christianity. You'll end up in religion. The capital R. What is religion? Going through the motions without any personal connection with the living God. Does everybody grasp the strength fire? However, let me tell you the positive side of it. And please, this is worth realizing and grasping. You see, if you and I approach the Bible with this mentality, we approach the Bible with this thinking, Oh my goodness, God's speaking to me. What can I do with it? Amen? What can I do with it? It's a very dangerous prayer that. Let me tell you, we approach the Bible with this mentality. What can I do? What is God saying? What must I do? And please understand, every time God speaks, Sometimes you don't have to do anything about it. I mean, sometimes it's just comforting. Are you hearing me? It's not like there's always activity involved. But very often, you read the Bible, God helps you with something. What is the next question? Okay, God, what must I do? I was going through an issue some time back, you know, a few issues, challenges, whatever. And um, I have quite a robust discussion with God. You might think it's unholy, but... We really talk straight, talk turkey, so to speak. And I'm talking to him and I've got my holy attitude on. God loves that, of course, when you get all holy. You know what I mean? O oh God, speak unto thy servant. I have difficulties. <laughs> Give me a word. O oh Lord, grant thy servant from heaven a word. So I'm waiting for a word. Do you know what the word was that he gave me? Chickpea. 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 I said wise guy. This is not the time for joking. I'm facing issues. He said well you asked me for a word. Yes Lord I know I asked you for a word but you know in the context word means Information from heaven, great wisdom, thou being the Lord of the universe. No. Chickpea. Can you believe this? Well, you know, I thought oh, I've got nothing else to work with. I so only think about it. I mean, the man does know what he's doing after all. He's God. Chickpea. You know what came to my mind? The fact is that it's not a chicken and it's not a pea. You understand? And the issue I was facing was, I didn't know whether something was one thing or the other. You get it? I didn't know whether it was a learning curve, whether it was rebellion. I didn't know what it was. And the Lord, by just saying chickpea, and I think about it, He was saying, it's a bit of both, but it's something completely different. You understand? It's completely different. That was wisdom from on high, in one word. By the way, by the way, but can I just say something? After God had spoken that word to me from experience, from my experience in the past, I said, well now, what must I do about it? And then he just began to tell me exactly what to do. A, B, C, D. What peace flooded my soul? I mean, able to walk right through the issue unperturbed. You see? But please, brothers and sisters, I could have left. Oh, God, spoken to me. Wow! chickpeas. could have preached the chickpea swimming. That's what I've done. But you see, if I'd left it at that, would it have helped anybody? No. I had to do what? What's this about? What must I do? You get it. Just read one more scripture. We all know these things because it's said so many times. Let's go to our favorite book, the book of Coors. Cours, by the way, is more correct Than James. James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25, just what I've been speaking about in a nutshell. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Do you see that? The moment we get into the habit of just hearing the precious word, hmm, we can actually get into deception. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. If he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. Amen. Blessed in what he does. Make a point of looking at the word and saying to yourself, "What must." I do. One final scripture also in Kursi Kursi chapter two eighteen to twenty six. Okay, but someone will say, You have faith and I works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Let's go down to verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Some people try to read the whole Bible in a year, and it's a very good endeavour. But if you try to read the Bible in a year, you end up spending a lot of your day trying to read. It's not a book, it's a library of books. Okay, now if you've got the time, that's fine. It's a good thing to do. But I always say to us, rather read less and do more, than read a lot and do nothing. You understand? Rather read a small portion of Scripture and really work with that and try and do too much. Okay? What's more important? Knowing a lot? It's very important to know a lot, please. We talk about that. You and I need to have a broad understanding of the word paradigm, etc. But you see, having that broad paradigm is not enough. What has to make a difference in all my life is taking the word and working with it. Doing something with it. Amen? Amen.